Morning, Blue Water. So good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us here today. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> and band, thank you guys for leading us in worship. We appreciate you guys so much. There is a story that's told of a, a, a pastor who, young guy, young family, uh, the kind of pastor that, that every church kind of wants, right? Like, not like me, old and, you know, crotchety now, but um, uh, young and kind of like a fireball and young family, great, you know, preach the gospel and love the people. He was just this, this awesome young pastor. And he took a church in the American Pacific Northwest. And in that community where they were, the, the big industry was logging. And I... Don't know a whole lot about logging, but the way they did it there, I don't think this is how they do it in Northern Ontario where I've lived in the past, but the way they did it there was they would, uh, like a crew of guys would go up into the, the mountains and they would like fell the trees and, and leave them in, in stacks and to let everyone know who had actually done that work, they had a brand, like a, a whatever you call it, brand with their number or whatever on it, and they would sear or brand their, their, uh, their number into the butt end of the trees. Now, uh, then they would move to another section and another crew of guys would come and would take those trees and transport them out. And the way that you got paid was by how many trees had your brand on the bottom of it. Well, one of the things that had become common in that community was that, and, and everyone did it, was that after the crew of guys would leave, other guys would come with their chainsaws, they would cut off the last inch or so of the, the tree, and they would put their own brand on those trees. This pastor eventually found out about this, and he, he heard that this is what was commonly done, and, and he was horrified. There's people in, in his church that were doing this. Sometime later, he ended up preaching a sermon about stealing, and as an illustration to describe the, you know, how we need to honor the Lord and, and what, what constitutes stealing, he used this illustration of cutting off the butt ends and putting their own brand on the end of it. And um, it hit such a raw nerve in that community that he never preached in that pulpit again. And the reason we bring this up is because there are things in every culture, it doesn't matter what culture you go to, there are different things that like, um, are common within the culture, but that really go against God's re revealed word, God's revelation, their, their sins. And it feels like we're having a bruise pushed on when that's the case. And the reason we bring this up is because guess what we're going to be talking about today? <laughs> Not logging and stealing we're going to be talking about something else. We've been working our way through the book of Proverbs, and one of the things that we've been seeing week after week is that in Proverbs, well, in, in our world, there is so much information, but what we see, say it with me, there is so little wisdom, right? So, so much information, so little wisdom. And this morning, we are going to be talking about what Proverbs has to say about laziness what Proverbs has to say about laziness. And I have to tell you, I was shocked when I studied this and found out what Proverbs in general and the Bible, sorry, Proverbs in, in specific and the Bible in general says about laziness. Oh my goodness, this is going to be like pushing on a bruise for us. It's going to be hard, but can we do this? Can we get through this together? Okay, 
One person over here, I didn't see who it was, but one person said yes, everybody else is not entirely sure. Before we jump into what Proverbs says, uh, we need to set a number of, uh, make a number of statements, kind of mitigating statements, sort of, uh, that's not even what the phrase I'm looking for, um, kind of to set the stage for what we're going to see that Proverbs says. So a number of, of ideas that we need to put into place first to kind of lay the foundation for what Proverbs is gonna say. Here's point number one. Point number one is, work is not a bad thing. God made us to be productive. Now again, you see those, some of those words that are underlined, and those for the, that is for those of us who are note-taking kind of people. These are the blanks that you need to fill in. Work is not a bad thing. God made us to be productive. Um, before the fall, God gave Adam and Eve what's called the cultural mandate. He gave them a job, he gave them assignment. Multi uh, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. That was the mission given to Adam and Eve. And subduing the earth, of course, was gonna take work. So work precedes the fall. We sometimes tend to think that work by definition is bad. Leisure equals good, work equals bad. But that is not the case. And any vision of humanity where humanity is involved in this, like we're gonna have AI or we're gonna have robots to do all the work for us and we're going to be able to just leisure. Listen, that's a very bad view of humanity because we are made to work. And if you wonder, one of the reasons why there's so much mental health distress in our, in our culture is because so many of us don't know really the glory and the satisfaction that comes along with a job well done. Well, I finished this video game and I have the sense of satisfaction from that. It's not the same. <laughs> one person likes that. <laughs> Point number one. Point number two, a life of ease is dangerous for our souls. So listen, work is not definitionally a bad thing. Um, I, I do need to say though, before we get to point number two, what the fall did result in is that there would be weeds. So work is not bad, but because of the fall, there is now toil that's involved in it. The farmer's like, amen, hate those weeds. <laughs> Some of us don't work with the ground, but we have weeds of a different sort. Okay, that's point number one. Point number two, life of ease is dangerous for our souls. We're not in Proverbs yet, but in Deuteronomy chapter eight, let me read to you something that Moses said. We'll have it on the screen for you as well. Uh, what Moses said to the Israelites as they were going into the promised land. This is so interesting. Here's what Moses said. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving to you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, the thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought, he brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something that your ancestors had never known to humble and test you that in the end it might go well with you. 
you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Now that was originally given to the ancient Israelites as they were going into the promised land. But if you can't see the, the dotted lines and the connections to our culture, where in, God has blessed us so, so greatly, and what have we done? Have we responded in praising and glorifying and honor him? No. We've drawn dotted lines to ourselves and look at what we've brought with the strength of my hands. Point number three, laziness is pervasive. <clears throat> Pardon me. Laziness is pervasive. There are some of us who struggle with being workaholics. That's true. And that, that's, so we got laziness on one side, we got workaholism on the other side. But there are, um, in my experience as a pastor, there's a lot of people, and I've seen this in myself too much, where I think that I'm working too hard, I think I'm working too much, I am so tired, I feel like I'm burning out. But the problem is not that I'm working too hard, the problem is that I don't know how to rest. So I come home from a long, hard day, and I grab fast food or I eat junk because I'm too tired to actually make good food. And instead of going to bed at a decent hour so that I can get up and work hard again the next day, I'm up till all hours of the night um, binging some junk on Netflix or YouTube or staying up for the uh, West Coast hockey game that went into overtime, who's been there? And so the next day I wake up and I'm so tired, I'm like, oh boy, I'm, I'm just burning out, I'm working too hard. Maybe. Or maybe you can't rest well. Don't know how to rest well. Don't know how to honor the Lord with your resting. <clears throat> That's point number three. Here's point number four. There are genuine medical considerations. Some of us, when we hear this and we hear about being lazy, we're just like immediately feeling guilty. And for some of us, the reason is we're feeling guilty because we're lazy. <laughs> for some of us, we're feeling guilty. But, but it's not because we're lazy so much as that there are real medical things that happen to us that have caused us to not have the amount of energy that we might normally have. Those of you that know my wife know that she is a grinder. She, she, she's a, you know, she, she gets stuff done, man. Like she uh, can work me under the table six times in a day. Like she works so hard. Well, when she had her medical things that happened a couple of years ago, she couldn't grind like she used to. And even till today, she can't grind quite like she used to. I mean, part of us just getting old and part like, listen, she shouldn't feel lazy. <laughs> it's because there are real genuine medical things that, um, happen, how do I know if I'm lazy or if there's like a medical thing that's happening that I, listen, this is where wisdom is required. It really is where wisdom is required. Here's point number five. <clears throat> Pardon me. The Canadian cultural ethos does not reflect biblical wisdom in this manner, in this matter. Our government, our institutions, do not value biblical wisdom. Because of that, some of the things that we're going to see that Proverbs is going to say 
are going to sit very funny with us because it cuts against the grain of what Canadians think with a lot of these things, okay? For those of us that have <clears throat> more of a social justice warrior bent to our personality or our thinking, we're gonna find this a little bit difficult, all right? But here again, what we're going to see is God's revealed wisdom to us and where the wisdom from the culture, the wisdom from the world comes into conflict with the wisdom of God, we have some decisions to make about who we are going to listen to. And if, for those of us who are Christians, we need to listen to the Lord. Okay, point number six. Laziness can be masked as something else. This happens a lot. Oh, he's, he's just forgetful, he's, he's not lazy. Oh, she's just creative. She just gets distracted. She's not, she's not lazy. No, that's lazy. I have been very convicted about my own parenting this week as I've been working my way through what Proverbs has to say about this. Um, and how many times I have enabled my children. Oh, she, she's just creative. It's not, listen, it's my job to give them an assignment once. It's their job to, to figure out how to remember that and get that done. Now, maybe when they're little, I have to help them with the system or with the process by which they remember that. My job is to give them the instruction once. It's their job to take it from there, okay? Maybe this is you. Oh, I'm just, I'm just distracted. Figure it out, man. You got this phone. You literally have to speak to the phone and it will remind you later <laughs> Just like that. It will remind you later about something that you need to do. I love those Holy Spirit moments. With these considerations, I could not think of a better way as we jump into what Proverbs has to say about laziness and work. I can think of a better way. We're just going to run through a bunch of the, the passages that talk about this. Um, we are going to, some of them, I'm not even going to comment on. We're just going to let the scripture speak. Some of them I'll make little comments about it, and then we got one thing we need to talk about at the end, and we're going to call it a day. Ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, here's the last thing I need to say before we jump in. We're not even going to cover everything that Proverbs has to say about work and laziness. There's a lot more that we didn't have time, that we're not going to have time to cover. This is why you can't just bank on me or Pastor Scott, or whoever, spoon-feeding you this information. You've got to, got to, got to read Proverbs for yourself. Okay, we ready to do this? Yeah? Okay, Stan is. Is anyone else ready to do this? Okay, some of us are. Let's jump in. Here's the first thing that we need to look at. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. Lazy hands make for po uh, poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. The very next verse, he who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Chapter 10, verse 26, as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so are sluggards, that's a great word, great Bible word right there, you know exactly what that word's about, so are sluggards to those who send them. You ever been sitting around a campfire and you get in the wrong spot and the smokes and you just, you can't even open your eyes, it just stings your eyes, you ever been there? Um, my brother uh, got me into drinking apple cider vinegar, anybody drink apple cider vinegar? 
Okay, some of you do. I cut mine with like a bunch of ice and, and sparkling water, and that's how I can get it down. He takes it straight. Ugh. It's like brutal. Any straight apple cider vinegar people in the house? Some of you, ugh. Do we, I can't even, I shudder even to think about it. That's what it's like to work with someone who's lazy. That same like smoke in the eyes, oh, it's so annoying. Oh, that shudder at the, the, apple, the, in your, the vinegar in your mouth, ah. That's what it's like to work with someone who's lazy. Chapter 12, verse 24. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. Labor. Thir- um, we've got a couple here we're going to stack together. 13, verse 4. It says, a sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. 21, verse 20. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. One of the things I have noticed as a pastor, it's so interesting. People who are lazy tend to feel like they, are, they deserve all the best stuff. Not all the time, but often. Similarly, often, people who are diligent, people who are hardworking, don't necessarily feel like they need all the best stuff. They're happy with the, you know, three-year-old iPhone. And yet the lazy person sacrifices, well, doesn't sacrifice much, but just thinks they deserve the new one. You, you, you know what I'm saying? It's not true across the board, it's just something I've observed. And I think it's interesting. In part, because when I read these verses, I was like, oh, the Bible thinks that too. 14 verse 23, let's move on. All hard work brings profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Sometimes there are big talkers. Some people talk a real big game, but when the time comes to grind, they won't do it. 14 verse 24, this is interesting. The wealth of the wise is their crown, but the folly of fools yields folly. The wealth of the wise is their crown. There's this idea floating in our culture that those who are wealthy past a certain point should be ashamed of the fact that they are wealthy. Now, for those who have garnered their wealth through unjust means, they should feel ashamed about their wealth. But there's a whole lot of people who are wealthy, who are well off because of the diligence of the work of their hands. And what the Bible is saying is that we should not, they should not feel ashamed and we should not feel ashamed for them. In fact, we should honor them for that good work, for that hard work. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're better as people, we, listen, we're all made in the image and likeness of God, which means we all have dignity and value and worth. That is true. However, some people, like it says, some people, the wealth of the wise is their crown. In a similar way that someone who is a, 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 a superior athlete who works hard to uh, keep their body in a fine-tuned condition should be honored athletically better than me. <laughs> 16 verse 26, 
The appetite of laborers works for them. Their hunger drives them all. Let's stack this together with 19 verse 15. Laziness brings on deep sleep, but the shiftless go hungry. Here's another interesting thing. Um, It is, okay, let me say it like this. Hunger is not always a bad thing. Hunger can be a very good motivator. And sometimes, I think, even we as Christians who, like, listen, we're told in the New Testament, when a cup of cold water is offered in the name of Jesus, it, like, like, this is a, like, this is something that we like to do. However, sometimes we cross the line from genuine helping to enabling. And it's something we need to be careful about. 18 verse 9. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. Which is, we got to talk about this for a second. This is so interesting. How is a slacker the same as someone who destroys or someone who vandalizes. I like how Doug Wilson talked about it. He said, the minimum that the slacker does, the minimum that the lazy person does is burn daylight. The minimum they do is waste opportunities. You see, we're, God has given, um, given us different opportunities. He's given us different uh, challenges in our lives. He has given all of us the same amount of daylight. All of us. And the lazy person minimally burns daylight. The lazy person minimally wastes opportunities. We don't all have the same opportunities, but we, have all, we do all have opportunities. Will we waste that? Or will we make the most of it? Very interesting. 20 verse 4. Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest they look but find nothing. Talking about opportunities. This is, what, this is what this is saying. If you miss the opportunities that God has given you, do not be surprised if you wake up one day and you and your family are hungry. 22 verse 29. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. This is how God made the world. And we have to understand this. We can push back against this, but that's to our detriment. The way God made the world is that in general, cream rises to the top. This is the way God made the world. In general, cream rises to the top. I was talking to our friend Neil, um, and he told me this uh, this set of statistics. If um, it's wrong, you can take it up with him. What he said is, statistically, <clears throat> if you spend one hour a month of your own time studying your profession, okay, so just one hour a month, it's not much time, of your own time studying your profession, generally speaking, within five years, you will become uh, the, uh, oh, what's the phrase? I'm blanking on here. You will become the, the leader in your company. You'll become the company expert in that particular field. One hour a month after five years. If you spend one hour a week of your own time studying your profession, within five years, you will, generally speaking, become um, your, your industry expert. Okay, one hour a week, that's a fair amount of time. Within five years, you'll be the expert of your entire industry. 
If you spend an hour a day of your own time studying your field, within five years, generally speaking, you will become a global expert. This is hard work. And some of us will think, immediately when we hear that, we're, think, we're gonna think, well, well, if they're not paying me to do it, I'm not gonna spend my own time working on uh, my profession. I'm not going to do that. And that's fine. Just be prepared for other people who are willing to do it to advance and have opportunities that you don't. And you can kick back and kick and fuss, but it's because, generally speaking, the way that God made the world is that cream rises. We're gonna skip the next one just for the sake of time, and let's go to Proverbs chapter 26, verses 13 to 16. We're gonna spend a couple minutes on this. A sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. There's no lion. <laughs> Lazy people, you know what they're not good at? They're not good at getting anything done. You know what they are good at? They are amazing at excuses. There's a lion in the streets. I, I couldn't get it done because of the lion. There's no lion. Verse 14. As, I love this, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. This way, and then this way, and then this way. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that motion? There's, there's motion happening, but it's nothing productive. It's nothing progressive. It's just, like, it's just like a door, just swinging on a hinge. That's it. Um, we need to take a minute to... Alarm clocks are not a result of the fall. I am convinced the snooze button is. <laughs> I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but if you have a roommate or someone in your house who loves the snooze button, you have my sympathy. Direct result of the fall. In the new creation, there will be no snooze buttons. We all know when you hit the snooze, you don't get good sleep after that. Just set your alarm for when you're going to get up and get up. Might be some things I'm working through in my own family in my own house and that. Uh, where are we? Verse 15. I love this. A sluggard buries his hand in his dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. Um, how many of us, like it looks a little different sometimes in our culture, how many of us went through uh, McDonald's on the way home or zipped through fast food because we're just too tired to make anything decent to eat? And the way that Proverbs says it is that the lazy person is too tired to, after they take the chip and dip it in the guacamole, get it back to their face. <laughs> Right? Verse 16. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Mr. E Mr. Expert guy is not always <laughs> the expert. Okay, what can we learn from this? One of the things that I hope we can see is how important it is for Christians to not be lazy. There's this amazing passage in um, Second Thessalonians that I was going to turn to uh, with us, and we just don't have time to look at it. But it, listen, from the front of the Bible all the way to the back, one of the things that we see, one of the things that we learn is how important it is for those who love the Lord to not be lazy. 
We need to be diligent workers. In other words, there is something, I am convinced, there is something called a distinctly Christian work ethic. A distinctly Christian work ethic. And I have been very convicted this week because I mentioned a couple minutes ago, with my parenting, I'm not sure that I did a great job instilling the idea of a distinctly Christian work ethic to my kids. And listen, I've, I've been changing this week. I've been working on it this week. As I've discipled new Christians, that's not something that's been on my radar. That's something that we need to talk about is how to not be lazy, but how to actually be diligent and honor the Lord with the way that we work. There is something called a distinctly Christian work ethic. It's been very... Um, convicting for me this week. And listen, one of the things that I, I, part of the great experiment of Blue Water Church is that we would have, um, a, a, be able to gather enough people here who, um, who, who take the Bible seriously enough that we would, that we would have a distinctly Christian work ethic. That we would like put these, this wisdom that we've been learning from Proverbs into practice in our lives. We would love our spouses enough that no, we're not gonna walk away from them. We're not gonna be selfish in this. That we would raise our kids to, to know and to fear the Lord because that's the beginning of wisdom. That we would do these things and that we would be a different community than everywhere else. This is part of the great experiment of Blue Water. Dads, that we would regain the idea that educating our kids is our responsibility first. We're not going to um, turn them loose and let some other uh, person or people disciple them into another religion. That it's our responsibility first. We're not going to bring them to church and let someone else be the primary uh, uh, avenue by which um, they learn about the Lord. Like, we're happy to come alongside, and that's what, one of the things that we want to do. But dads, it's our responsibility first. This is part of the great experiment of Blue Water, that we would take this seriously and live this out. And when we do, I genuinely think that what we will see is that we will be a, a, a pillar in this community. And other people will look, some people will look at us as if we're crazy. Other, will people, other people will look at us, and there will be something so attractive there. Okay, we gotta keep going. Last thing we need to drill down on is Proverbs 21, verses 25 and 26. Look what this says. It says, the craving of the sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. Here's the problem. The problem for us is that according to the definition of this verse, None of us are righteous. Why? Because I can go up and down these rows and I'm pretty confident that, that we would not find anyone who could say, yes, I have always given without sparing. I have never held back. The problem is, because we have held back on times when we shouldn't, that separates us from God. We're not righteous anymore. And that's a problem that we can't fix. Thank God for Jesus, who was never lazy, 
who always gave without sparing to the point that he gave his life even for those that didn't deserve it. And the beauty of the gospel is that when we believe in Jesus, we don't have to work to earn it. We don't deserve it even by being diligent and not being lazy. We can't earn it or buy it. All we can do is receive the free gift as a gift. And when we believe in Jesus, God looks at us as if we are righteous, the righteous that Jesus earned by giving up his life, by not even withholding or sparing his life. God sees Jesus' rightness or righteousness when he looks at us. And this is why the gospel is so, so important. May we be those who know what it is to work diligently. May we not be those who are sluggards. I still love that word. May we be those who love Jesus enough and believe in him so that when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus as someone who gave without sparing. Just receive that gift by faith. If you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to make Jesus your Savior and your Lord, you've never believed in him, I would love to talk to you about that after the service. I'd love to um, talk to you about how that can get done. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, you've been convicted by this and like, oh my goodness, I, I, I just need to pray with someone because I need to turn some things in my life. I'd love to meet with you and pray with you. Maybe there's something that is completely disconnected from anything that, you've ta- that we've talked about this morning, but you know that you need some prayer. Would love to talk to you and, and pray for you as well. And one last thing before we pray and wrap, I would like to commend this little book to you. It's called Plauductivity, not Productivity, Plauductivity by Douglas Wilson. Um, I, like, I, I appreciate it so much. I read it over Christmas and appreciate it so much that I bought a copy for all the staff. I actually, I gave it to, to Pastor Brandon first and he thought I was trying to send a message. <laughs> and I had to explain, no, 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 we all got one. I, I highly commend it to you, Plotactivity. You, if you read that, you will see how his thinking has influenced me pretty significantly and um, I think it is an important book for all of us to read. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your great love for us. Jesus, thank you that you did not withhold even your life so that we could be forgiven who couldn't help ourselves. Lord God, I pray that you would help us this week to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, to whom we give all glory now and forever. Amen. Amen. Friends, you're loved.